0: Seekers, explorers, and renegades out there, welcome to another episode of the Alchemy Experience podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Lempke. One of the biggest challenges to world peace and to harmony in the world is a cognitive bias called mental rigidity. And it very much is the way it sounds it is when your mind is rigid and refuses to move from uh, whatever position it's holding. And oftentimes we can see mental rigidity in uh, uh, people with uh, religious or uh, political fervor uh, of any type, you know, on either side of the spectrum. It's uh, really when you're in obsession to, well, mental position to not be able to uh, move beyond the perception and the mindset that you're currently holding. And someone who's laboring under the uh, mental rigidity, cognitive bias, uh, will typically wear that with a badge saying that, you know, I am steadfast and I am uh, immovable from my convictions and my perception and my, the way I see the world. So how do we approach someone with the mental rigidity or how do we approach ourselves if we, you know, suddenly discover, Oh crikey, I am laboring under mental rigidity. So let's pick the concept apart a little bit first and then uh, we'll go into talking about what we can all do to uh, help the world become more flexible and more understanding, compassionate, empathetic, and so forth. Um, this conversation, this discussion will uh, bring us through there gradually. So uh, enjoy. Okay, so I was looking up a quote here from Sadhguru uh, in, on his website. He has an article called uh, uh, Breaking Your Barriers of Rigid, uh, Rigidity. And uh, he writes that somebody who is very rigid in his thoughts and emotions believes he is perfect because he does not allow room for any other way of looking, thinking or feeling. And as we discussed uh, earlier, the definition uh, of uh, mental rigidity is to uh, refers to an obstinate inability to yield or a refusal to appreciate another person's viewpoint or emotions characterized by a lack of empathy. When we look at re- uh, mental rigidity, and uh, from my perspective, this is a fairly new concept in psychology that is coming about, and it's not a term that I've uh, heard. Used a lot anyway, but uh, it is certainly applicable to a lot of the things that are going on in the world today. So we we we'll look at uh, you know politics, religion, nationalism, and so forth, uh, sports, patriotism. Uh, there is doesn't matter what side you're on if you are kind of rigid in your mind as to your viewpoints, then uh, you have that mental rigidity. Now, oftentimes this comes about uh, with the conditioning and that fear of going into the unknown. So if you grow up in a certain environment and you take on all those belief systems and not allowing yourself to move away from that or seeing other perspectives or other points of view, then you, you're going to kind of suffer under the, uh, this mental rigidity. And, um, you know, it's, it comes down to, like we've discussed before with the uh, loss aversion. If, you have, if you're unable to move into something unfamiliar because you are afraid of what you're going to, or you're afraid of the new without, because you're not familiar with it and afraid of losing what you already have even if that's detrimental to you, that could uh, also be a cause of uh, mental uh, rigidity. And the, uh, the spectrum is really rigidity on one side and flexibility on the other side. So in August 2019, there was a, a study published by the uh, Cambridge University here in the UK. And it's a study they've done over th- uh, 20 years and they found that the basic mental process um, with the ability to switch between the different concepts and tasks uh, was really a def or kind of the the uh, where they found that there was uh, if you lacked that then you had mental rigidity so if you uh, if you weren't uh, hadn't trained yourself to be able to uh look at different concepts and different tasks in different ways um, then you tended to uh, end up being uh, rigid in your mental approach to it so oftentimes I suppose we've looked at politicians or religious leaders or sports fans as emotional or they they emotionally uh, invested in uh, their belief systems and this study shows more towards the effect that it's a cognitive, I'm not going to say a condition because it's not, but a, a you know, shortcoming, a cognitive shortcoming. Uh, there is that inflexibility right? or cognitive inflexibility. So what happens, uh, it's not the emotions, it's more the cognitive inflexibility that then triggers a defense mechanism Within the person uh, that is unable to see someone else's uh, perspective uh, in this respect. Uh, and it certainly does affect someone's ability to compromise and emphasize. Until I started looking at the world through a different set of eyes. Um, I think I was very mentally rigid in a lot of aspects, or in a lot of respects. Uh, I probably thought I was uh, quite flexible because I was less conservative in my thinking than others. But as this study I was just mentioning uh, established, it didn't matter what side of the political spectrum you're in, it's the extreme aspects of it. That will determine uh, how rid- mentally rigid you are uh, with respect to your opinions. Um, so, and I, I do find some of the programming, some of the, the the patterns that I still have. Now, thankfully, I can I have better ability of observing these and being aware of them within myself. But there's still some of them left there, and they do tend to ha- hold on to that rigidity that, well, this is how things should be. And I suppose one has to watch out as well, because if if we you move on, you be, kind of go on to this path of, <laughs> of self-development, uh, that could be the only right path. And uh, we talked about this in uh, previous episodes with Spiritual Bypass, that some of those aspects can play in as well. You get fixed in your mind that this is the only way to do things rather than looking at how other people want to solve the world's problems, if you like. So, oftentimes, what we can see with, and that this is going to hopefully lead to some solutions for in your minds here, if we look at uh, radicalization, uh, you know, divisive partisanship and uh, religious fever and so forth uh, all stem from mental rigidity Uh, and it's that inability to see that there are other ways of doing things other ways of uh, creating a society there are other ways of solving problems in society so here in the uk we can certainly see that with a lot of the protests going on at the moment Uh, where they're blocking uh, motorways and so forth. I have no judgment as to one way or another. Uh, But there's people that obviously sit in traffic and they're not going to be, they're not too happy with it. And they then form an opinion about these protests uh, that can then, uh, depending on how they look at it, if they they feel triggered by it, they can then go into uh, that mental rigidity around having an opinion about that but the mental rigidity can be become validated through that we exist that people exist in uh, echo chambers and find themselves, uh, you know, having being presented with a confirmation bias in search engines and social media and so forth, uh, because We have, obviously, uh, online, we have these technologies, uh, you know, with the artificial intelligence, showing you the content that you want to see because of uh, whatever uh, other content you've seen. And that can then lead to reinforcing this mental rigidity uh, within yourself. um, And because you're not seeing anything else, it's the, not being exposed to other viewpoints or as we've talked a lot about in, um, in previous episodes that you know if you if you don't travel and you're not don't get exposed to other ways of living you can get very stuck in your own ways um, now whether that's you know, good or bad <laughs> that's up to the person that is uh, uh, perceiving those uh, challenges, I suppose. Um, but I would, I would say from myself and the people I've met through my life, that uh, being exposed to diversity certainly uh, helps to broaden your, your views and your mind and creates a different set of, uh, not expectations, but it allows you to look at the world from a different set of eyes, I feel. So uh, what we find is that there will be opportunists that look at uh, collections in society or you know, tribes in society that will use uh, the mental rigidity as a tool to control. Uh, we can see that in history through uh, you know, various dictatorships and so forth to create uh, controlling elements.
1: I just wanted to kind of take a interesting kind of primrose walk around this too, that I think a lot of it has to do with belonging for a lot of people. And so I think, for example, like if you're, if you're a mind belly person, people know that you have a certain, you know, way of being. And if you're on this kind of a place, then people kind of, so there's, there's almost like kind of a stereotyping based on those kind of things that people belong to, so to speak. But I think a lot of people end up looking through the filter of those things that are personally curated for them with their search engine. And then from there, they go out into the world. And I think a lot of people kind of have this need to be a part of a somewhat of a secret society, et cetera, because only people in my tribe, quote unquote, understand me or get what I'm doing. And I saw a really interesting um, interview with the CEO of the Center for Humane Technology, and they're a nonprofit, and they were just talking about the fact that the experience for a lot of different people around the world is very different based on the content that you're seeing. So therefore, I um, was saying that specifically, there are a lot of content modulators, specifically in the United States. They have apparently like thirty to 50,000 of them, but around the world, they don't. So 80% of the feeds that people get around the world are unfiltered until somebody can get to them, whereas they have more regulators closer to where their donors are. the reason why I'm mentioning that is because it's that whole concept of the social dilemma that the, you know, the the documentary that I think you've heard a few times on Netflix that came out last year, where when you have things that are personally curated for you and you figure that based on the algorithm that an AI figured out that somehow that's superior to your own ideology, but ultimately it's still the mental rigidity can also be a way of holding onto your identity and your individuality. So I think for a lot of people, it's not necessarily that it's a knee-jerk reaction to go out there and be controversial. I think for a lot of people, it's still their mental rigidity, like when people call older people who are over 60 boomers or things like that, it's a derogatory term to say, oh, as a boomer over 60, you don't know anything any longer because the rules have changed. And for a lot of people, it changes every single week. But that's the part about where I think the mental rigidity, at least to me, the way I see it on the other side of the fence is that it continues to allow you to to stick to your guns. And the more that you can dig in and stick to your guns, the stronger that your convictions can become. And there's a zealotry that's occurred with a lot of different people with that stuff. So I think that people's rigid or cognitive rigidity, it becomes something of where, if I am part of this group, do you need to lock, stop, barrel, Come along with them 100%, or even within the group, are you allowed to have your own individuation and ideology? So that's a question. And for a lot of people, it's not, they're not capable of that. But then you also have in mental illness so where the rigidity is cognitive and there's nothing you can do to get off of that. And people oftentimes turn to medication, which
0: mm-hmm.
1: isn't necessarily as good as biofeedback or other ways to restructure those neuroplastic pathways.
0: Yeah, certainly. I, I... I know for example in autism you see uh, it is one of the the aspects um, or that one of the markers they look at is mental rig- rigidity. Uh, it's a very to see the world very uh, out of very black and white eyes you know it's either this way or that way it's either my way or the highway. Um, and yeah you're absolutely right that it's There is a certain sense of safety, because if you know exactly where the boundaries are, you don't have to establish or trust your own boundaries um, because society or the tribe that you come from dictate exactly where uh, your your boundaries are and what you can expect and what people can expect of you. Uh, I mean, that's I spent some time in the military and that was definitely one of the comforts of the military because you didn't really have to think for yourself. You just did what you were told and you knew exactly what you were supposed to do. And you had your tasks and uh, it was uh, a certain, uh, you know, mind holiday (laughs) in that. Um, But yeah, I mean, if you look at society as a whole, it is kind of scary when you have to go out and think for yourself. Um, but once you do it and you realize that it's actually not dangerous, um, it's quite liberating to do that. Uh, but I think for a lot of people, there is that fear of the unknown. It's that loss aversion that you're not able to move into that kind of uh, a mental, cognitive space uh, because that means breaking with a lot of the stuff that you've grown up with. Um, So, yeah, it is the conditioning of what you grew up with and what patterns and behaviors that you've developed from that. Um, And that's, that's what we see. I mean, a lot of the divisiveness is because you have extremist views on either side. These extremist views are very rigid. There's no way in hell a Democrat, on if we take the American example now, a Democrat on the very left is going to convince a Republican on the very right that, well either of them, convincing the other that they're right. Even in the most mundane or minute aspects of their viewpoints. It's like because that person is of that conviction, anything they say i am going to discard as untrue and i can't trust it etc cetera, etc cetera. so you cr- it creates that uh, the inability to see anything from anybody else's point of view i feel for myself in a way it's the, one of the challenges of kind of going on this path is to try and see uh, fr- you know from anybody's point of view wherever they're from, kind of starting to ask, okay, well, if they think this way, why is that? You know, where does this come from? And I think we'll come to this in a minute, but it is very much about showing up and and kind of taking that approach as an individual. And even in, you know, if you take a, uh, shall we say, homogenous group in terms of Uh, thought process uh, or uh, kind of belief systems and so forth, being able uh, that even that also thinks that it's dynamic and flexible in its thinking, a lot of times, as you say, Barbie, there will be a bit of mental rigidity, because if you don't believe exactly what that group believes, then you're going to be an outcast or you're going to be different. Uh, so there is that desire to belong there's that desire to be part of that group and in order to be part of that group you have to conform to the general consensus of that group whatever they believe in right so we we can go from one belief system to another you know whether that belief is sports politics religion whatever it is but they having that you know, we go from one system to another and we still hold on to that mental rigidity. So the mental rigidity in itself is a holding pattern. It's a it's safety net. It's a defense mechanism and so forth. So it's that cognitive inflexibility that uh, actually needs to be solved, not necessarily the belief system, because anybody can believe whatever they want it's developing the, the ability to view things from a perspective that may not be one's own. So we can start looking at, okay, well, why do they think that, you know? Removing some of this judgment. But just going back to looking at some of the, some of these uh, challenges we have in the world today with quite a few, as they call, called, strong men, you know, Putin and, well, Trump was on, and you have uh, the guy in uh, North Korea, you have the guy in uh, Turkey, et cetera. So there, um, there are these strongmen that use key aspects. So in Russia, it could be nationalism. And in, uh, in uh, Turkey, it could be kind of a counterbalance to the secularism and so forth.
1: Yeah, I just wanted to also, uh, before you take that turn, Um, Also, just wanted to point out something that was on the other flip side too, which is the fact that I think that sometimes the mental rigidity can be the cousin of what is also in like obsessive compulsive disorder. If you look at the diagnostic and statistical manual five, you look at the, also the pieces of obsessive compulsive disorder and there's magical thinking, but Mm -hmm. that magical thinking, the people that I've known who indulge themselves in that they manifest amazing things because they literally allow themselves to step out of the confines of their kind of, you know, limitations of what they're told they can or cannot. And it's interesting because as a clinical diagnosis, it's something of where it states that this magical thinking makes them completely out of touch with reality, but yet they're living this life where they're just, everything is magical. So, you know, to me, just in and of itself, between cognitive or mental rigidity and magical thinking i will take some magical thinking please and then i'll take a second helping and then some more but it's still i think that that is that whole concept too of like you know oh well, you're thinking outside of the box and oh my god you have me missed but you have these visionaries in our world in the sense of where you have the edisons and you've got the colonel sanders and the other people too that it's that mental rigidity of where their great story like, you know, inspirational for people because, you know, it took them a thousand or more times to be able to continue on and on with their same stuff. I mean, you had Nikola Tesla who had potatoes that he was lighting up in the middle of the fields in the middle. I mean, I would have loved to have seen that, but it's still from that perspective, the mental rigidity can also be something that is to your benefit. It's the, no, I see that even though I'm part of this collective, this feels like I need to do something else. And I know that um, when I was in Rome in Italy, there are all the sarcophagi of a lot of the different people throughout history and copernicus and galileo and a lot of the marble sepulchres are there and you just you stand there and you look at the fact that you know this person galileo and copernicus and these other people it's like they were willing to stand up for what was heretical at the time of their coming out with what was scientific things that they had been able to discover and you know, after the fact, posthumously, people can say, oh, yes, they were right, etc. But it's still that for a lot of people, that conviction level, too, is like, how much are you willing to be on the line for your rigidity? And for some people, it will be to the death. But then the magical thinking part can also take you into a place where you can kind of break through that construct and allow yourself to go into completely different places that are oftentimes more beneficial. So I just wanted to put that out there in a Kind of a positivity thing, because that is also a form of mental rigidity, but a lot of times people don't share that kind of stuff that's going on in their minds because people won't believe them.
0: Well, I think that is, I would put that down to being, if you say mental rigidity with someone who is well aware of their boundaries, I would put that in a category of determinants, someone who's determined. Uh, as supposed to be mentally uh, mentally rigid. Mentally rigid, you lack uh, empathy for someone else's point of view. Uh, and I think if you take uh, Tesla and these guys, they were single-minded. They were focused on the the beliefs they had, but that didn't necessarily. Yeah, I know for some people, for a lot of these visionaries, they are they dismiss anything that isn't uh, related to <laughs> their, their own uh, their own uh, purpose uh, but I think you can still be determined and have empathy for others p- point of view but still be dead set that uh, your uh, your your idea is the right one um, uh, I think the the problem is when you when you don't listen to anybody else and you don't uh, you detriment or it becomes detrimental to yourself and your own uh, evolution what do you think about that work
1: well i think you just described parenting i mean if you're the household <laughs> it's <laughs> like you basically just decided you know i mean back in the day it was like you know when papa comes home he gets the biggest piece of chicken i mean there's just you know certain adages that have been around you know for for you know, eternity, but it's still, yeah, it's like you get to decide in your own household as the king of the castle. But I still think too, that you have to kind of, you know, be looking at that. I mean, think about the idea that you've got thousands of people that are trying to escape some sort of a natural disaster. And you've got one guy who's like, like, for example, there's a perfect story. And I think I might've shared it on the podcast before, but after the 9-11 20th anniversary, it's appropriate that there was this fire like guy who did fire drills all the time. And he kept doing it in the the second tower and he kept doing these fire drills. And people are like, look, friend, it's 120 stories or more in the World Trade Center. I have to take off my shoes and walk down the stairs. I don't have time for this fire drill because it took all day. And he insisted on them doing it every six months. And they hated him for this. And they made fun of him for that. But that guy ended up literally having everybody orderly, you know, he went up, I think two or three times. And then the final time that he went up, he perished halfway through as the, you know, the second tower went down. So you look at something like that and that man obviously had some sort of a heroic destiny, but he was so rigid in his thinking that we will do fire drill every six months, every six months well, why was the guy in the other tower not doing the fire drills every six months and forcing those people to do that? You know what I'm saying? It's like, so when you really think about it objectively on the outside, you think yourself, I wouldn't want to, I would have wanted to have been in that guy's building because I would have gotten out. Whereas everybody else made fun of the guy and were like, oh no. And then the other people, they didn't make it. So that's the part too about If you have something after the fact of where people all got out of a dangerous situation because this one guy came forward or this one woman or whomever came forward, a child, I don't care who, but someone came forward and said, I know the way, let's get out here. And everybody decides at that moment in a dark tunnel where everything just collapsed. Do we follow this person or do you follow that person? And this person is going to take you into this thing, but they don't know either. They're literally just going through their instincts as well. So what do you decide for yourself in those spaces? Because I think it's a lot of times the emergency situations that trigger the fear and adrenaline, which then puts people into kind of these primal emotions. And that's why I think all this kind of fervor you're talking about ends up kind of exploding places where it's not appropriately supposed to be in that space. So that, that's the part about where do you end and where does the collective start? Well, that,
0: that's an interesting point of view. And I, I think for me, the distinction there would be that he did that out of empathy for his fellow coworkers. That, you know, damn it, they, they were going to be safe if there, something happened, right? Yeah. Uh, it wasn't just him doing the fire drill for himself. Uh, so I think the, there, it was, you know, rigidity of mind but with the twist that he was doing it for um, out of empathy uh, to make sure that you know, his people were going to be safe. Um, now, rigidity of mind oftentimes is displayed as something selfish. It's something you do, um, you, you hold your views to protect yourself you don't hold your views to protect others necessarily, even though it might be, you know, under the guise of patriotism or, uh, you know, religious freedom or whatever it may be. Um, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, like anything else, it's not black and white. I mean, the, the, you give some very good examples of where rigidity of mind has, allowed us to uh, evolve as as humans if you take tesla or edison or any of these uh, great inventors if they hadn't been so determined i think edison failed a thousand times before he actually found the right combination of materials to make the uh, light bulb um and if he hadn't been so rigid rigid in his mindset uh, we might not we might have had to wait to Another few years for the uh, incandescent light, right? So yes, there there are often uh, these uh, variations that we can look at. But in that case, again, you know, inventors typically don't invent something for themselves. They see a problem that they want to solve. They see something they want to solve, and that solution will oftentimes uh, benefit. A lot, lot, more people than themselves. No, I mean, certainly we all benefit from being determined, having some of that rigidity of mind for sure. Uh, but yeah, if you if we look at society, just going back to some of the you know the the challenges we have in the world right now, is that there is, because we have we can see a lot of this rigidity of mind in or mental rigidity in the world. there are a lot of people that take advantage of it. Um, And uh, that's certainly a challenge that is one to be overcome. And the pitfall, I feel a lot of times is that people try to convince others of how wrong they are, or how right they are themselves. Um, And that oftentimes just kind of Makes the rigidity even more rigid, and makes the person more de- uh, deadfast uh, or steadfast in uh, in their own belief system that they are not going to change their mind, whatever is uh, you know whatever is being presented. So there's that sus- a suspicion of someone else's point of view. If you have that rigid mindset, so from a personal point of view, if we are rigid in our own minds, and we can't see, for example, if there's an experience that someone hurt us, or, you know, we come out of a trauma, or whatever, if we can't see how we could learn something from it, then we are going to be stuck in that victim trap, and we are not going to be able to move past that, we're going to leave an aspect of ourselves in that experience um and anyone who comes along and says perhaps that oh well if you look at it from this perspective we might actually get triggered and angry with that because we are trying to protect uh, our own experience because this is the way i experienced it but when we then learn to reframe that experience from a perspective that we are now taking a lesson from that we can then look at it from different perspectives
1: i think some of it is also kind of the and as you know i have my degree in literature so i like to refer back to a lot of things having to do with um allegories and other things like that but it's kind of the concept of the don quixote you know seeing things that are different than what it is to other people and i think that there is also a form of mental rigidity that i see specifically with the aging process for people in the sense of where within about 30 to 90 seconds based on someone's vocabulary, you can tell you know a lot of things about a person and specifically the kind of language they use is very, very indicative of where they are. But I think that some of the mental rigidity for people is that they're clinging onto a version of reality that is the one that they felt or experienced for a particular amount of time. And then the mental rigidity is the fact that someone comes in And we talk about this in manifestation and everything else of where you have someone comes in and they're a bubble burster and they just come in and they're like, well, you can't do that. Or you're crazy. Or who do you think you are? Blah, blah, blah. And then from that perspective, the person has this beautiful, new, uh, shiny, brand new vision of reality coming forward, all these gorgeous things coming forward. But then someone just comes in with the pin and they just decide to see it a different way. And then the other person becomes disillusioned and they're no longer to see that beautiful possibility of that gorgeous next step. And that's the part of, I think that sometimes it's the the digging in of the person that's mentally rigid because those feelings, they almost like, if they have those good feelings in that moment, they almost want to hold on to them. Like it's a, you know, like it's a baby blanket or it's something that soothes them. For a lot of people who are in the quote unquote normal perspective, Those are memories and you can mock up a memory and go, oh, wasn't that beautiful when grandma came from, you know, here to visit us for Christmas or whatever happened, et cetera. But I think a lot of the mental rigidity really is the, I have my own world inside of my mind and inside of my mind, I'm okay. And I feel great. And I have all these beautiful things happening around, but then they go see a psychiatrist or they go see somebody else. And that person tells them that the vision of reality or the version of reality that they're ascribing to isn't valid and it's not right. And you need to change to be able to do this. And then you have people who dig in even deeper who basically yeah. say, well, they're fine. I mean, I've, I've been around lots of, uh, I mean, I've been I worked around people with disabilities for over a quarter of a century. And it's like, you know I mean? You go to the Braille Institute and if you have children that are blind from birth, you have to sit down with those children as, as as young as they can be. And you have them in taste testing situations. They put children in sensitizing situations to, to eat tomatoes and to eat avocados and other things like that. If you're a blind man, tomatoes and avocado are slimy and disgusting and they do not look like anything you'd wanna put your fingers in, but that is something they do to sensitize um, blind at birth kids to do that. But then in addition to that now, they have all these different things. And I know you know about this with the Monroe Institute. They're now doing all these amazing experiments with blind people who have their third eyes opened with all these different kinds of exercises. And their third eyes can actually almost see better than the eyes that they have inside of their brains. But to most people, that would be totally magical thinking. That's just like not possible, but it's being proven all over the world and it's being done as a, on a more regular basis. And you even had that experience, and I mean, you could even refer to that if you want to. But it's still that kind of thing of where it's still having the opportunity to step into the fact that what's wrong with sometimes having little rigid thinkings elsewhere. The problem is when those rigid thinkings take over your entire life, and you are so inflexible, and you cannot move, and you get completely almost like paralyzed by your rigidity. That that is when it becomes a completely different situation.
0: Absolutely, and and it is that. You know, going from having experience of rigidity to being uh, embodying that rigidity. And just as a side note, yes, uh, uh, the the experience I had with the bl- blind guy who uh, we were doing uh, training with out-of body experiences with the Monroe Institute, and having him hear or hearing him say, uh, or describing things that he saw when he was out of body, and this guy had been blind since birth. Uh, It was quite amazing to hear, actually. So, um, yeah, no, absolutely. There's a lot to be be said for that. Absolutely. That's, you know, I I think when it comes to (laughs) a a lot of the discussions now going on, you know, in these times of vaccinations and uh, uh, I don't kind of subscribe to any particular camp, but uh, there are, you know, you have your anti-vaxxers, you have the people that, you know, subscribe to the vaccination program what have you and um, there is this rigidity around science right uh, either camp will claim that science supports them and you know by god if anybody says anything against it then you know you are a traitor to the human race whether you're anti waxer or not you know you're on the polar opposite and this is the extremist it creates these extremist camps right um the, there is less inability to see anybody else's point of view than the one that they've established for themselves so you know when it comes to belief systems people that are die-hard atheists they can't you know they can't believe the stupidity of someone that believes in something higher or you have someone who's re- religious fanatic that believes that if you don't believe in my God, you are, you know, heretic, heretic, heretic. So the so that there's there doesn't matter what side you are, as long as if you are on an extremist aspect of a belief system, you have, you are most probably going to suffer under mental rigidity. Because there is that inability to see someone, someone else's side, and the, you lack empathy for their point of view. Um, so there, there is this. So it becomes this subconscious resistance to a world that exists outside of the sphere that you exist of, uh, within yourself. So you know, what, how can we approach this from a different perspective? Um, you know, how can we? Uh, solve this ch- these challenges uh, helping others. So if if you're talking to someone who, who's got extremist views, trying to convince that person that they are wrong is, like Barbie was saying, is only going to further f- strengthen their belief that they are right, uh, because that is their safety net, that is their safety zone. So, so telling them that they're wrong is only going to tell them that, you know, they're not safe. And they that is as humans, that is not something we want to believe Um, because then suddenly things are going to unravel around you. And then suddenly you are in a very uh, precarious situation as a human being. So the in terms of helping others, it's really accepting the journey they're on. So for me as an individual, The only thing i can do to uh, help those that are of extremist views is to accept that that they're that's their journey and to uh, show compassion for the you know the child version of themselves that exists in there that doesn't have that rigidity of mind that have uh, you know is full of excitement is full of imagination and so forth that uh, you know there is nothing but uh, possibilities to them having objectivity while maintaining boundaries like we talked about before that you know you you can look at someone else's point of view without having to agree with them you have your own boundaries you have your own belief systems but allowing yourself to objectively look at an experience or a situation will allow you then to show compassion and acceptance for someone else's experience Um, and we've said this many times before as well you know we're all sitting here having this uh, conversation but we're all going to experience it from different perspectives so this experience that we're all having together we're all having different experiences So the experience in itself is an illusion. So being able to look at Barbie's experience uh, through her eyes will allow me to then open my eyes to uh, different possibilities away from my own experience. Also allowing ourselves to have an eagle eye kind of perspective or a bird perspective of the world and the experiences that we have. So an experience, uh, any experience that you have is going to have a lot of uh, impermanent impermanent uh, aspects to it. You're the only permanent aspect to any experience that you have. But that you can then look at that and go, okay, well, I can look at this experience from probably a hundred different perspectives. And allowing yourself to uh, do that will then show others that it's possible to do that too i look quite quite a few people that get quite annoyed with me when i take a an objective point of view um because that's the rigidity of mind that if you don't hold one particular point of view then you are you know flimsy or you're not you know (laughs) you're you're just out there as it were um but holding fast in my belief that that's the way I'm going to show up, uh, that that helps me in my process anyway. Um, and then allowing yourself to build bridges to show others that you care about their opinion. I think one of the biggest problems we have right now is that you know a new politician, new government comes in and they don't really give a hoot about what the people that didn't vote for them, um what their opinion is. So they it becomes it then perpetuates this um idea of uh I'm right, right? Because now there's this guy and I didn't vote for in, in government and look he's not he doesn't care about me at all. So therefore my rigidity of mind has now been validated. Right. So allowing ourselves to build bridges uh from a point of view of understanding and compassion and, and acceptance uh can allow us to you know at least understand each other we don't need to agree with it. everybody doesn't have to agree with each other but having that understanding and compassion for each other i feel that's necessary um so being able to show up as that role model will then allow us to everybody around us to look at different ways of doing doing things so now for ourselves how can we you know uh, or increase or decrease our rigidity of mind uh, i find you know exposure to different viewpoints read different news outlets if you're into the news um, you know talk to people that are not typically around you uh, get out of our echo chambers and Try to move away from uh, the confirmation bias. Seek out information that is contrary contrary to your own. You know, seek out the contrary opinion to your own. You know, set the intention to grow. Uh, You want to have a growth mindset, so what do you do to uh, grow as a person? You, You gain a lot of different viewpoints, right? And if you allow yourself to feel or be compassionate with others, that then allows you to feel emotions of others and that then builds up your emotional intelligence and with the in- emotional intelligence, you can then empathize with people more because you you can already identify those emotions within yourself that others are feeling. So and it's you know acceptance that the world is imperfect. We, we are uh, we're all unique, and we, there are always some, someone who's going to be on a diff, of a different viewpoint than I am or you are, and embracing that diversity as enriching, as opposed to threatening, um, you know, seeking to understand each other, understanding you know the world around us. Uh, certainly helps out, and knowing that you you don't have to change your mind you don't have to change your mind to you know suit anybody else. You are a unique person, and that's perfectly fine and uh it's not your job to have others accept you for who you are, but rather for others uh, for you to accept the, uh, who you are and that you are unique, and that that's perfectly fine. Uh, that you, and that you then, if you can accept yourself as a unique person, you can then in turn start accepting others for their uniqueness and be perfectly okay with that. And being solution solutions focused, I think a lot of times when people find themselves in this rigidity of mind or mental rigidity is that they they complain about all the problems that exist you know whether that being immigration or you know uh, you know taxes or lack of jobs or whatever it is there is the the inability to see the possible solutions because solutions will require to work together with people that don't necessarily hold the same viewpoint as you so Uh, changing your mindset to being solution focused and allowing yourself to see the abundance as opposed to the uh, scarcity in the world also helps towards that. You know, seeking to be the best version of ourselves and showing up as role models is the best way to keep ourselves away from mental rigidity and to show others that, you know, there is another way of approaching things. So I appreciate everybody showing up today and uh, listening in, and I hope hopefully you gain some uh, insights and uh, some uh, valuable aspects that might uh, help you on your journey. So thank you, and uh, hope you have a wonderful day. As you can see, as with any limitations of our mental faculties. Uh, it's a delicate subject, it's a delicate uh, balance as we move through and kind of work with ourselves and others, um, as always, you know, we've got to approach it with uh, a gentle hand, as it were. If you feel that uh, you're laboring under mental rigidity or perhaps you just want to resource yourself to be able to Uh, work with others who are laboring under mental rigidity. If you want to find a safe space to work through those challenges or to work through the tool sets and resources that you may need to work with these concepts, contact us here at the Alchemy Experience and uh, we can uh, see if uh, perhaps our workshops might be the place for you to explore these aspects of yourself. Go to the alchemyexperience.co.uk, click on the free 30 minutes free consultation button and uh, uh, schedule a chat with us and uh, we'll take it from there and we'll see if uh, we might be the place for you to uh, explore these aspects. But for now, I wish you all the best, and I hope we'll see you back here at uh, the Akam Experience podcast next week as we release the next uh, episode on Friday. In the meantime, take care.